It is the end of the world. It's over. And in these last few seconds or years that we have remaining, let's listen to The Earth Wants You, our radio podcast, Mega Church Today. Amen. I'm your host, Reverend Billy, with Savitri D, and we are from the Church of Stop Your Shopping, children. Slow down your consuming and start your living. And today we have Actions. Church to Stop Shopping has been out there breaking into public space this week. That's right. We've got the blue-throated macaw. We've got news from all over the world, and we have two very special guests. It is crowded in the studio today. That was a segue from mm. breaking into public space to the blue-throated macaw. macaw. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Thursday we confronted the Immigration Customs Enforcement people in their headquarters and we forced them to not leave this one particular garage where their white vans Chevy vans brand new looking go out through the neighborhoods of New York kidnapping people pulling parents from their children we're developing new tactics uh, from old tactics this is traffic calming by bicycles to stop deportation bikes against deportation and here we have a little audio clip from that action on thursday here in new york city The bicycles, you can hear the 65 bicycles riding around the block very, very slowly, taking up all the lanes of traffic. You can't hear the ICE agents, the DHS officers sort of freaking out that they can't pull their vans out or in. Um, We're talking uh, Manhattan's West Village, Varick. Rush hour traffic. And our goal here is to re-visibilize. That's not a word, but it should be. Uh, to <laughs> illuminate, <now. laughs> to illuminate the mechanisms of deportation in this city and other cities, we we have to draw them out. We have to slow them down. We have to shine a light on where these uh, activities are taking place. And so we took the bikes, which make us all much larger. Obviously, you're like five times bigger on a bike. And and laws apply to you differently on a bicycle. You're not walking. You're not a pedestrian. You can be in the street. You are traffic. You can ride mm. slowly and slow mm. down vehicles mm. behind you or in front of you um and we just stopped though we stopped in front of that garage door yeah we? and i want to stop more i want to stop i want to put the bikes down on the street i want to sit down on the street i want to i want to take the whole block so next month the third thursday of every month we're gonna we're gonna april 19th next month be out there Amen. again join us we want skateboarders scooter riders anything with wheels come join us bikes against deportation third thursdays 5 p.m., Varick Street and West Houston. That's near the Film Forum in Manhattan's lovely West Village. Amen. <laughs> Choking with tourists and upwardly mobile. You know what? Time for news. That's right. From the natural world. That's right. With Savitri D. That's right. Oh, my God. What's going on? Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D, and Savitri D still has a cold. 
When scientists reintroduced a threatened native falcon species to New Zealand vineyards, the raptors drove off 80% of non-native pest birds and reduced the crop damage they caused by 95%, saving some vintners more than $300 per hectare. Other researchers found European kestrels and barn owls helped control rodents on Spanish farms. Raptors aren't the only birds with pest control benefits. Adding nest boxes for great tits, a small songbird cut caterpillar damage in half on apple orchards. And areas near bluebird boxes on a California vineyard had significantly fewer leaf-eating insects. So Monsanto's suppressing this news item. The USDA established an economic ornithology unit in the 1880s to study birds for pest control, but the body was disbanded in 1940. Around the time, synthetic pesticides like DDT were hitting the market. Mm. In one California study, barn owls essentially formed a colony, as many as 100 owls on a 100-acre vineyard, and the birds killed more than 30,000 rodents over the course of three breeding seasons. <laughs> Women with high levels of glyphosate, the active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup weed killer, were more likely to have a shorter pregnancy, according to a new study. Mm. Shorter pregnancies can leave babies on a path to reduce learning and brain development. The new study is the first to study glyphosate in pregnant U.S. women and pregnancy length and suggests exposure to the chemical is widespread and it may be setting some children up for a lifetime of challenges. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup herbicide, the most widely used herbicide in the world. About 300 million pounds are applied each year in the U.S. alone. The extended marine heat wave of the past few years has been nicknamed the blob and it appears to be cooling off. There have been a number of these events, these marine heat waves that have occurred in the North Pacific. But the one we had in 2013, 14, and 15 was by far the largest in the record, going back more than 45 years. And the effect on sea life was serious. Whales, sea lions, and seabirds starved to death because the warm water didn't support tiny, nutrition-rich plankton called copepods at the base of the food chain. The blob is cooling off, friends. That's good news. Amen. El Salvador, the smallest country in Central America, but with the third largest population, 7.3 million, is the Central American country with the largest number of migrants living in the U.S., according to the United Nations data. El Salvador is exploring various challenges and methods of repatriation for immigrants deported from the U.S. At least three planes arrive every week from the United States and three buses from Mexico, bringing back a weekly average of 460 deportees. Mm. Australian wildfires destroy homes, kill cattle, as hundreds of people flee. Australian authorities urge people to remain alert on Monday as wildfires that have destroyed homes, killed cattle, and forced hundreds of residents to flee continue to burn out of control in the southeast of the country. It is fire season in the southern hemisphere. Amen. A new U.S. advisory board created to help rewrite federal rules for importing the heads and hides of African elephants, lions, and rhinos is stacked with trophy hunters. Interior Secretary Ryan Zink created the International Wildlife Conservation Council in November to provide recommendations on conservation issues, specifically to tout the role of hunters in conservation and increase public awareness of quote, economic benefits that result from U.S. citizens traveling abroad to hunt, <coughs> end quote. <laughs> the majority of the 16 council members have a connection to trophy hunting or groups that advocate for hunting as a way to support conservation. God, these people are from 
Another <sighs> century. What are they doing here? And two weeks ago, the bodies of 11 critically endangered lemurs were discovered in the Zahamina and Kanani corridor protected area in eastern Madagascar. The lemurs were allegedly killed by one of the local officials charged with protecting them. The alleged poacher was arrested on February 27th, and this week the police set out to arrest his uh, suspected accomplices. The Madagascar government reacted to the poaching incident at the highest level, including pledges by the Prime Minister and Minister of the Environment to crack down on poaching. Economic conditions in Madagascar obviously making poaching... A way to make a living. Yeah. Results of a new study reveal that 90% of the biodiversity that scientists expect will be lost to future agricultural expansion could be saved if more effective land use planning directed this expansion to areas with the fewest species. Let me just say that again. More briefly, 90% of biodiversity lost in the future to agricultural expansion could be stopped if more effective land use planning was directed at the expansion. It found that 10 countries possessed the lion's share of this potential save, right? 90% of the world's biodiversity threatened by future agricultural expansion could be prevented if all of these countries just cooperated. <laughs> a few tropical countries, including India, Brazil, or Indonesia, would have by far the greatest leverage for making global agricultural production more sustainable. Global land use optimization aimed at protecting the natural resources of the world's most biodiverse countries may come, quote, at the expense of their own production opportunities and economic development. Those three countries have right-wing fascist leaders at this time. Unless such conflicting national interests can somehow be somehow accommodated in international sustainability policies, global cooperation seems unlikely. See, this is all a veiled discussion of capitalism. It's very hard to just use the words, but if our... Out with it. We'll just say it right here, right say here. It. Say it. The Earth Wants You Radio. Capitalism. Drinking from a plastic water bottle likely means ingesting microplastic particles, a new study claims, prompting fresh concerns and calls for scientific research on the possible health implications of widespread plastic pollution. A study carried out more than 250 water bottles sourced from 11 brands in nine different countries revealed that microplastic contamination was nearly universal, found in more than 90% of the samples. Amazing. The study by journalism organization Orb Media... Found an average of 10.4 microplastic particles about the width of a human hair per liter of water. That's big enough to hold in your hand. (sighs) Uh. Two dozen Latin American countries sign an agreement to protect environmental defenders. Regionally, Latin America saw the most environmentalists killed anywhere in the world in 2017. The commitments related to the protection of environmental defenders are set forth in Article 9 of the Escazu Agreement. The article, titled Human Rights Defenders on Environmental Issues, specifies that each country guarantee a safe and propitious environment in which individuals, groups, and organizations that promote and defend human rights in environmental matters can act without threats, restrictions, and insecurity. All right. Amen. The world's greatest forests could lose more than half of their plant species by the end of the century unless nations ramp up efforts to tackle climate change, according to a new report. Yet another new report. Another one. Every week, a new one telling us the same thing. Mammals, amphibians, reptiles, and birds are also likely to disappear on a catastrophic scale in the Amazon and other naturally rich ecosystems. 
on all continents if temperatures rise by more than 1.5 degrees Celsius. And Which people is likely. That's generally like to feel happy. To people generally like to feel happy, but achieving a state of happiness takes time and effort. Researchers have now found that people who pursue happiness often feel like they do not have enough time in the day. <gasps> and this, paradoxically, makes them feel unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> that explains everything! <laughs> the average running shoe, or trainer, takes 1,000 years to degrade. And finally, in some good news, the Chinese government will soon dedicate a massive new giant panda national park that will be roughly the same size as Massachusetts, or three panda. times larger than Yosemite, for the panda bears. Panda bears. The park, which is scheduled to open in 2020, will sprawl across 10,000 square miles. Right now, pandas live in 30 isolated areas with their bamboo that's all they can eat those poor creatures and they have a very difficult time procreating i mean probably because they're busy eating bamboo all day long it's hard to have sex while eating bamboo i know bamboo is you not easy i've to tried eat. that yeah. oh. that voice just going out to radio podcast land to the mega church that voice is dragonfly our our uh, co-activist and we're so glad to have you here today. Dragonfly, check out this singer now, R.L. Burnside. He's going to sing his own song, Jumper on a Line. We'll take a short break. Thank you. 
Welcome back to The Earth Wants You. I'm Savitri D. here with Reverend Billy in New York City. And we're very happy to introduce, reintroduce to many of you, Dragonfly, Miss Justice Jester, Helvetica Bold, <laughs> Robin Laverne Wilson. She is a woman of many selves, a New York City <laughs> activist and thinker and performer. Um, Dragonfly, as you know, we always start by asking people what their favorite place on Earth is. At this moment, I think my favorite place would be sitting on my mama's couch, doing nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's in San Antonio. That would be in Converse, Texas. Mm -hmm. Converse. Yeah, yeah. This time of year is really nice down there. I don't think anywhere is nice anymore. She's like, oh, Lord, it's cold. But cold for her is like 60 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect for me. <laughs> Dragonfly, yesterday we all went out to Liberty Island. I wonder if you could just reflect on uh, what that means to you as an African-American woman, as a longtime activist, what it means to you to be at Liberty Island under, under the skirts of Lady Liberty. Well, I, I was really surprised at how emotionally and spiritually, psychically charged that experience was starting from pulling in and thinking about the contradictions of how so many other people, people who were legitimate immigrants coming in. Now, what, what do you mean by that? What's a legitimate immigrant? Oh, my people didn't ask to be here, mm -hmm. just saying. Because mm -hmm. the narrative is always that we're a country of immigrants, we're a country of immigrants. Well, when I did this little endurance performance called Running for the Senator of New York State, against Chuck Schumer in 2016 and getting more popular votes across the state than anyone else ever did in the Green Party. But Amen. Not that anybody, Amen. not that anybody ever gives me any credit for that, but uh. we do, <laughs> we do right here. Yeah, we know how hard. A hundred thousand people voted for more Ro than that. Robin more Laverne than Wilson. Wilson. That's right. Amen. And <laughs> and it's very interesting the contradiction of how uh, a certain faction of our society is always attacking what they call identity politics. Mm -hmm. Yet I remember being at a meet the candidates panel at a, a university upstate, uh, and I'm on the panel with three other white men. And as they introduced themselves, they always always led with. Well, I'm a proud immigrant of Polish. My grandfather, I'm I'm proud, you know, of my Italian ancestors <laughs> who immigrated. It's always associating where they came from and that they were an immigrant. And then when they got to me, I said, Well, that narrative is incomplete because we are actually a country of the dispossessed, the enslaved, the marooned and the immigrants. Mm -hmm. And considering that I was speaking to an audience of predominantly non-European ancestry students, mm -hmm. I could tell they really appreciated uh -huh. what I had mm -hmm. to say. And looking at the, the men on the panel, I think in their own way they appreciated that I very gently, I don't wanna say corrected, but I completed mm -hmm. what they said. And so- What I, kind of look did they have on their faces? Um, it was a little bit of um, a reluctant nod of acknowledgement that mm -hmm. what I was saying was not untrue. Oh, okay. And that they could not rebut All what right. I was saying. And I was not meaning to be disrespectful, 
of, of their history. And, and it kind of makes me think of when I, I was growing up, Schoolhouse Rock had that song, Lady, Lady Liberty went through her book of recipes. And it's like, yeah, but am I really in that cookbook? Mm-hmm. How about the fact that the Emancipation Proclamation was among the many sources of inspiration for Lady Liberty's creation? but nobody talks about that. Or the fact that you cannot see that there are broken chains and shackles at her feet. Right. And so here it is, we're being erased once again from the whole mythology. And when we talk about offering sanctuary to immigrants, we still have not given sanctuary to the people who have already been here by choice or by default, whether you are an indigenous First Nation American or you're the descendant of enslaved Africans. Mm -hmm. I think it is really um, important to to stress the difference. There are at least 50 million people on the move right now around the world. We know that. It's the largest migration going on since World War II. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very different to leave your home under any conditions, whether it's climate crisis, war, gangs, danger, you know, homophobia, all these reasons people leave home, economic necessity, that is not the same as being kidnapped by slave traders. That is not the same as being taken from your family in chains. We all know that, but we forget to talk about it. And I think you're right. I think it's, it's critical to understanding what's happening now to understand that that happened then. And that the, the compassion we um, we f- uh, muster and foster for immigrants right now, we have to include uh, those those previous stories in that compassion. Um, and I think that is hard for white people. It's like a lot of, uh, mm. but I mean, everything's hard for white people. Like that's silly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. Oh, but it's not hard for me as a black <laughs> yeah, woman. No, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's almost like the. Uh, the the paralysis it's it like there's a kind of th- that's where the apathy sort of just settles onto people right like mm-hmm. oh i just can't take all that on i can't take all that pain on i can't take all that compassion on i can't take all that suffering on and then you want to say again like you're not taking it on it, it's happening to other people right <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> i don't mean to be remedial here listeners i know that many of you know this but let's just take a second and feel it like uh-huh you know, check it out. Like, what is your response? You know, when you hear those things that you also have to remember to think about slavery, you have to think about the genocide that occurs. It's not enough to just protect and provide sanctuary at this moment for immigrants who are threatened by ICE today, right? Go back in time, find the historical compassion too, and direct it to that man you're sitting next to on the train. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, we have, we have a war against, uh, love the corporation's frontier for making money the politicians frontier for making power is directed against communities directed against they are invading children's dreams of course immediately think of disney Mm -hmm. though they are uh, uh loosening 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 and snipping, cutting the ties that bind. So I, I see the the um, uh, the dispossession of people around the world and the 60 million people that are 
wandering towards some dream that may not be there waiting for them, uh, trying to get across a border, trapped in a country that has mixed feelings about their being there, I, I see on the other side of this commodity wall inside of the middle class of, of the Western countries and specifically the United States, we are the churches stop shopping. I see, I see this war on just raising a family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just raising a family in a, in a neighborhood uh, that has safety, where you know the people who live down the street from you. The, the forces of, of corporatizing, gentrification, the monoculture, toxicity. The, 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 uh, we used to say that, or I, we, I used to hear um, this romantic, expansive language about the American empire that um, I'm old enough to remember when, when China was not, um, when, when China was like the planet Pluto. And capitalists used to talk admiringly about when the market in China opens up and we can sell wow. five billion tubes of toothpaste. What turned, it, it didn't, it didn't turn out that China was that, or the planet Mars was that. The frontier for the American economy is families, is people, is children. We are, we are all under attack. It is racist, but it's also general. It's also, it's also all of us. It weakens all of us. It makes, makes it more difficult for, for people who are in relative positions of privilege to come to the aid of people who are across a border of some kind calling out to them. Amen. There's a little Church of Stop Shopping sermon for you. It, it, it goes back to that, that intense feeling of hypocrisy and contradiction as the fairy pulled into Lady Liberty. I, I, I want to love her. Mm-hmm. I do love her. I want to admire her. In fact, I remember the fact that there's the, the rumor the legend that a black woman was the model and the inspiration also for her actual creation. Yes, yes. The anti-slavery group in France inspired the whole thing. And yet, France also continued to receive reparations from IAT for standing up and declaring itself independent, sovereign, and full of human beings Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. chattel. So, again, even that is so full of contradiction. As, as I was walking to the train through Wall Street at the end of our action, I was very struck by a poster inside of the HSBC Bank, mm-hmm. which, well. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Enough. But it's interesting that it said they had a special welcome packet for immigrants to learn how to manage your money now that you're in this country. Wow. And that in itself is so loaded. Oh, you're welcome as long as you got money. Come on in here. <laughs> Come in. Bring us your Come money. On in. Bring us you're your welcome. We'll we'll figure your passport out. <laughs> Let's see your bank account. Right. Oh. Well, it, it, but New York City it is this incredible place where people have been able to um, make a life with very little. You know, when I when I was fasting in the window in Coney Island years ago, and I was sleeping almost on the street, um, there was a guy out there 
selling glow sticks and he was out there, you know, like doing 10 hour shifts, four days in a row. And, you know, I, I, I would lay there listening to him and he had like a little, he had like four feet of sidewalk and he had a business going. He was, he was doing pretty good. I mean, he was selling a lot of glow sticks <laughs> and I was thinking pretty soon, pretty soon it's not going to be just glow sticks, you know? And I, and I thought New York's incredible. You know, it is incredible. You come here, ecosystem. you find a little patch of sidewalk yeah. and a distributor of glow sticks up in Queens and you sell those glow sticks for a couple of years and then you get a cart maybe and you're, you know, it's a hard life, but it's possible. And, you know, I think about that when I, when I'm at Lady Liberty, I was thinking about that. I was thinking it's not just the United States. It's also New York City, right? It's New York City. It's the harbor of New York City. It's a place where people still want to come. They dream about it. Teenagers all over the United States want to come here. You know, and I think my identity, I am not a patriot. I'm not, an, I don't support the nation state as a model. <laughs> but right. I have to say, I, I do feel an affinity for New York City. I love this city. Same you know? here. I love it here. I, I want it. I was, inc it was incredible. The faces we saw yesterday, the, the number of of that countries was represented, amazing. Yes. Was including First Nation. I'm yes. like, what are you doing yeah. here? Yes. Blackfeet, Blackfeet, two Blackfeet <gasps> women from Montana up there. I mean, I just they ended up in our church. They came right up to us. Mm. Public space in New York City. There's nothing like it. Let's go to a station ID. We'll be right back. Amen. Breaking into public space, breaking into public space. The city waits for us to see this park, this sidewalk. 
Hey, man, breaking into public space. Let's break into, well, Liberty Island. Let's break into Tompkins Square, Times Square, Coney Island. Just lots of places around New York where we, we have a history of intrusion, transgression. Hey, man, now we are here with, with a second special guest, Kristen Salumi. Kristen, amen. So glad to have you here at, uh, what do we call this radio show? The Earth Wants You, Kristen, <laughs> and Dragonfly. It's wonderful to be here. Mm-hmm, welcome. My co-host, Savitri D. And Kristen, an introduction. Uh, well, Kristen is, is a well-known international correspondent for Al Jazeera. She's a mother of Sawyer and Jax. <laughs> well, that's the wrong order there, isn't it? Uh, I'm <laughs> sure they won't be offended. <laughs> Do you think they're listening on their in their? They're at school. In so school, they might be on yeah. their iPhone, yeah. listening to mom. Better not be. Sawyer, <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to school. Uh, Kristen, full disclosure, uh, like uh, Dragonfly, is a part of the Church of Stop Shopping. Kristen is uh, among our leaders in the uh, area of of planning and the visioning, whereas Dragonfly is, of course, our performance star. Hallelujah! It's different. <laughs> Amen. So I we'd do like other to. Things. <laughs> you do other <laughs> things besides star and shows. <laughs> Kristen, we're concerned with. Um, we've already just what we've laid out here in the last forty minutes of of our today's radio podcast. We we've already indulged in what some of our listeners and lots of millions of Americans would call fake news. Right. Yes. They we would have say not uh, indulged in any fake news here today, as far as I know. That's yeah. what they would be called by some of our Americans, some of our Trump voters. Well, I I say yes because I think everything is considered fake news now. Nobody knows what to believe anymore. At least that's what I hear from family and friends who are worried about the state of affairs right now. And I work and have worked my entire life in the media, but there's so much distrust and uh, partisanship in society, and it's in, infected journalism to a certain extent as well, and it makes it very difficult, and I think people are confused. So how, how do we approach it? I mean, how do you two approach truth right now? How, how do you decide what is true and what is not true? Well, you have to start from the facts, and even facts are being challenged these days. Um, But what I tell people who ask me is to um, look at traditional journalism and there's basic rules that are followed and they still apply. Uh, When you report a story, the standard rule is that you need two sources for your information. Um, Those sources should be named. If you have anonymous sources, it has to be, sometimes that's legitimate and the only way to get at sensitive information. Um, But reputable news organizations will vet those sources. The editors will have an idea of who these sources are and that they are legit. Um, And when mistakes are made, they have to be corrected. They are, inevitably, mistakes are made. Um, But that doesn't mean a conspiracy. So I think um, reminding people of the basic facts of journalism, if you, go back to that, um, 
you, you start to see that there is a, a ground floor, mm -hmm. a, a, a ground rules and a, a, a level playing field that we can all at least start from. We can disagree on opinions and policies and the best way to go forward, but we should be able to agree on basic facts. Um, there are other radio shows out there that are more conspiracy theories and they put forward these ideas and they get a lot of traction. But if you go back and listen to what the people are talking about and what they say, there, there's no sources for the information. Right. Um, and so you can think that maybe that rings true and there might be something there, but uh, you know, you have to weigh that against these other, you know, these other factors, obviously. E even traditional journalism was problematic because who were the editors, who were the journalists, what bias, knowingly or unknowingly, did they bring into it? My, my mm -hmm. background is also in media. Mm -hmm. I started doing radio when I was 14. So that's where my clock started. And yet I also chose to not be an active participant in the industry mm -hmm. because I don't want to be complicit in so much of the, the spin, the propaganda, the misinformation, and even the dehumanization to an extent that is that I feel that the industry is actively participating in, is dominated by. Well, it's fair enough. I mean, every news outlet has a bias, I think. Um, it could be a corporate bias. It could be um, a political bias. Um, uh, you know, various news outlets, BBC is funded by the British government. Mm -hmm. um, they, I'm sure, have certain blind spots and certain stories that they're doing and certain, a certain slant. Um, and, and this is true, and you have to, you, I, I think we can accept that, um, but there's Why? still, still Why that base. Well, we all have biases, and it's impossible, you know, the individual, the stories that you choose not to report true. often to say a lot about mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Where, where an outlet stands, right? Um, but that, I mean, we have to start somewhere and we have to, um, you know, if you're getting your news from a variety of sources and you're aware of who's paying uh, the staff, mm -hmm. then, you, then you can have a sense that, okay, maybe it's not gonna uh, be the best source on a certain subject. Right, I mean, uh, or if the lens is yeah. really clear, like I always used to like to read the Economist because I knew what their perspective was. Right, right. they were pro business, right? You know, pro globalization, <laughs> neoliberals. Like I knew exactly what their focus was, so I could, I could be a filter for through their filter. Right, mm -hmm. and even uh, you know CNN now, which contributed to President Trump getting elected by giving him way more airtime than other candidates and now has a very anti-Trump tone to its uh, coverage, I mean, they, they are going for viewers. For them, it's all about getting the most viewers. And they have found that when they are talking about Trump, people are tuning in, people are angry. But are they helping the discourse in the, in the country right now? Are they, um, are they swaying any opinions on issues? To me, a lot of the, um, especially television media, has come down to talking heads yelling at each other from two different sides. And they're not talking to real people about the impact of the politicians and their decisions right. on the ground. And I think if we spent more time talking to real people about how immigration changes are affecting them, about how the healthcare debate is affecting their lives, then we get more, um, more common ground that we can and more that we can relate to. When you have 
experts, um, you know, so maybe CNN will have a Democrat and a Republican, but they're just yelling at each other. They're not convincing anybody of anything new because, you know, of your own biases. So uh, when I go out in the field and I talk to people, I mean, I'm always amazed at how much more common ground there is on issues than if you listen to what's coming out of Washington, D.C. Even talking to my own family, you know, there's a lot of people that are gun owners and they're hunters. And, you know, uh, they might post something on Facebook that sounds very anti-gun control. And, but then if you go and talk to them, um, they're, you know, they're like, well, of course there should be background checks. Of course people with mental health problems shouldn't get a gun. Yeah, we probably don't really need a, a military style assault weapon, you know, um, for hunting, you know, so there, I think there, there's more common ground in the world and in the country than we, than we get from watching the news sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same, that divide and conquer is very profitable for lots of people. Uh, sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and I think it, it also speaks to the frustration with our, with our leaders in Washington because, you know, they're, as you say, they're making their money by taking on these extreme positions. Exactly. Um, and it's not profitable for them to compromise mm -hmm. sometimes because of their own campaign finance the moderates, situation. The moderates are made to uh, look namby-pamby, like they don't have guts or something. The, the moderates... Right. Oh, oh, you compromised. or you. you uh, yeah. Both parties are playing to their extreme wings. And so, yes, if you compromise or change your point of view, then you're inconsistent or you're unreliable. What do you think would strengthen the people that have, would be more open to your idea of traditional journalism where the moderates would, assent, would, would say, no, wait a minute, I don't think, of, I don't have my belief ahead of time. Let's see what the facts are. Well, that's what a moderate would say. And how, how do you think they will be strengthened? How would they be strengthened? Well, obviously, campaign finance reform, so that politicians have more incentive to listen to people instead of special interests. Mm -hmm. Journalism that would take uh, the responsibility of, or, or take that extra. It's expensive to go travel and talk to people in the real world. It's easier to get talking heads to come into the studio and promote their ah. agenda. Mm -hmm. So. Or do you think they're just they're just people like us, right? Everyone's just people, right? At a certain yeah. point, and are the problems just too damn big? Are we at this moment where looking at something like climate change, mm. looking at something like gun reform, that these problems are just at a scale we can no longer um, absorb or deal with? And when you say leaders, mm. you know, I laugh. So I'm mm. like leaders, ha. <laughs> You know, a, le a, a leader leads, you know? Yeah. yeah, a leader doesn't just respond. A leader has vision. A leader takes chances. A leader risks things. A leader makes decisions that look wild. But I think, I, I mean, I wonder personally if, if there are solutions, if, they, if, there, are, if there are solutions. Mm. What do you think? I think one of the solutions is that, and it, again, it's linked to capitalism, we're indoctrinated to be consumers rather than engaged citizens. We're not taught to be critical thinkers and we're not taught media literacy and to question. And so I, not, to, not to absolve them of their responsibility or irresponsibility for putting all of these falsehoods out there and all the spin, but the way even, even getting these silly 
chain messages on my Facebook. And such and such said, if we forward this message, Facebook is going to give a dollar for everything. I'm like, there's no name. There's no date. There's no links. There's no source. There's no nothing. You really seriously? And they're like, oh, right. I didn't think about that. The <laughs> concept of media literacy is is interesting to me. I think it's something that we really need. You were singing Schoolhouse Rock earlier. We mm-hmm. need a Schoolhouse Rock for these times and reminding yes. people of these basic concepts that free speech um, means that maybe, you know, Richard Spencer or um, what's his name, Milo Yiannopoulos, you know, these yeah. people that we don't agree with, they they have a right to speak and we have to give them a chance to speak. But that doesn't mean that we have to um listen uh, that that the pro- <laughs> right and that pro- and protesters have a right to to be there too you know there's a lot of debate right now on campuses in the united states about um free speech and free speech zones and right. whether you know and and um where's okay to talk and where's not and i think we really need to reestablish the ground rules and say sometimes we have to listen to things we don't like but also we you know we have to you know give people equal time to refute them and and you know so that we can agree again agree on these basic facts we may agree disagree on policies and how to deal with them but um you know if once we get to that common ground and we stop yelling at each other i think we can make a lot more progress it's the only way is it possible with these big issues it seems really overwhelming sometimes mm-hmm. but, but how do we disagree with a fact I mean, it happens all the time. <laughs> See, even yesterday in front of the Statue of Liberty, like there is no liberty without justice and there's no justice without truth. Mm-hmm. But truth comes from getting the pastiche of, of perspectives and stories. Right. And so rather than trying to spin and, and put these falsehoods out, why why aren't we actually just listening to many different people and the many different perspectives of the story. That's media literacy. Amen. Exactly. Amen. And a woman, because God is not a single parent. Right. I want to thank Kristen Salumi and Dragonfly for being with us here today at The Earth Wants You. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. yeah. So talk about these amazing women. Um, now we go to Extinction's Got Talent. The blue-throated macaw. The blue-throated macaw, also known as the Caninda macaw or Wogglers macaw is a macaw endemic to a small area of north central Bolivia known as Los Llanos de Mosos. It is also known as Barba Azul, which means bluebeard. Recent population and range estimates suggest that about 350 to 400 individuals remain in the wild. The blue throated macaw is about 33 inches long, including the length of its tail feathers, and has a wingspan of approximately three feet. Mm. Blue-throated macaws are most frequently found in monogamous pairs, but small groups of seven to nine do occur, and one large roosting group of 70 is known. Their main mode of locomotion is flying. These birds are active during the day and usually stay in one general area. Blue-throated macaws communicate mostly by sound. When they suspect danger, they emit a very loud, alarming call and promptly fly off. They don't eat seeds and nuts to the same extent as many other parrot species, macaw species do. Instead, they eat primarily fruit, and their population is threatened, decimated by the collection of wild individuals to supply the international pet trade. Indeed, the species was thought to have been lost from the wild until it was rediscovered in 1992. And here the sound of the blue-throated macaw, the barba azul.
Well, thank you, blue-throated Macaw. That wasn't the fake news. I felt that there was some truth-telling going on there. It was pretty straightforward. Amen? We're coming to the end of our hour. Uh, we just want to express our gratitude to uh, our engineer, Killian Sunderman, and Dragonfly Wilson. Praise be. Laverne Wilson. Dragonfly. You have to say the whole name. Once you embark on the name, you have to do the whole thing. Yeah. Robin Laverne Wilson. Yeah. That was what was on the... That was on the... Uh, the ballot when you ran for the United States Senator against Chuck Schumer. We fervently wish you had won. And Kristen Salumi, thank you for uh, taking some time off from your, your busy life to, to come out to, to Brooklyn. My you pleasure. You could just as easily be in Brazil or Syria or some hot spot in the world. But here you are on Atlantic Boulevard here in downtown Brooklyn. Savitri D., amen. My co-conspirator with the Church of Stop Shopping. You're pointing at my sermon. Hallelujah. I seem, it's, it's, this is all approach avoidance. <laughs> my sermon will take the next four hours to really get it right. It's, <laughs> I'm, I woke up this morning thinking about, um, we, we start our approach to the world from the earth. And we've been doing that now for years in the Church of Stop Shopping. We look at consumerism that way. We look at racism that way. We, we, we look at the gun problems that way. We look at all from, we try to have this view from Mama Earth here in the middle of 10 million people. It's kind of a conundrum. How do we do that? We see oil issues coming back to the idea of life itself in this time when we're starting to openly talk about great apocalyptic shifts that will take place if we continue our behavior. We look at our children, don't know what kind of lives they will live. Certainly, you can, you can argue uh, the, the, you can argue from many different positions uh, well, the Women's March, the, the, the Me Too moment, that is the mother of all issues. Uh, you can say that fighting against fossil fuels, pipelines, tar sands, fracking wells, you can say that's the mother of all issues. You can say that immigration rights is the mother of all issues. People have to be able to flow around the world. That is our natural state. The nation state doesn't come before our need to be with loved ones, whatever that form that takes. I, 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 I know we all feel that way just having gone to Liberty Island yesterday. Gun control and the control of toxicity from corporate chemicals, industrial agriculture, all, all these issues. The people who love righteously to fight against these devils, each and every one of them, God bless them, they think they're saving the world, and they are. However, I would just like to jump in here at this point and say progressive leftist people always make their own issue the righteous one. And we end up time and time again with 30 or 40 different issues and we stop talking to each other. And the reason we need uh, the Million Man March and the Women's March, the, the reason we need to get together in great numbers is because we have to have Standing Rock and Black Lives Matter and Occupy Wall Street. We have to have 
all of us from all of our different self-righteous islands come together, break it down, and be with each other physically. Amen. Earthalluyah. And that's an ecosystem of righteousness right there. And that's, what we're, that's where we're going here. We want, we want to all live together with whatever priority of the truth, whatever order of the world that we bring into our soul, however we emit how change should take place. We've, we've got to all come back, hold hands, and, and pray to life. Because when we all draw that last breath, there will be one issue, and that will be the issue of life itself. Amen. That will have all the issues inside of it. We're headed towards that moment if we don't, if we don't figure this out. We can't be divorced from each other. We can't all be right. We have to be right together, not right separately. Is that righteous? Did right. I just say that? Amen. I'm not right wing. I'm righteous. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Earth, hallelujah. This is the Earth Wants You from the Church of Stop Shopping. Have a great week. Have a righteous week. Break into public space this week. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the end. It's the end.